Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SEO Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Itamar Blauer, and today I'm joined with George Wynn, who is the director of SEO editorial at Wix. George, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm really new on the job. I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to be, you know, part of the Wix team. But we're not here to talk about that. What are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about dissecting Google's announcements. And obviously, George, to provide a bit of context, you uh, previously worked at Search Engine uh, Land. And you, you know, as a reporter, you've written tons of articles. You know so much in terms of the ins and outs of all of the stuff that we're going to be discussing uh, in this episode. So I think in terms of where we can maybe start Let's talk about, you know, search news and how people get them. So from your experience, where do, where do people actually get their search news from? Jumping right into it. I like that. Um, yeah, so I was in a unique position as a uh, one of the very few reporters dedicated to search marketing and not anything else. So I was very fortunate there. Uh, people get their news sources through through what I view as two avenues, one being the official announcements. Um, what Google says, either in the form of a blog post or in, I mean, they're all blog posts, like on their face, they're all put on the, the keyword blog, right? That it is a blog. So I guess they're all blog posts, but there's two different types. There's the more newsy one, which is like, hey, check out this awesome new thing we're doing, like Bert or Mum or something groundbreaking like that, where the entire spotlight is on the one product and what it might be able to do for users, for businesses, for whatever the audience is. And there are the blog posts that are still news, but the news is hidden in like the second sentence of the third paragraph after a giant hero image and um, context about how the world has changed and all those things like that. Those are generally pretty minor, but it is also news. It's just not um, a rethinking of how the, the search results work or how Google indexes or uh, you know crawls ranks, index, indexes ranks. So there's those things from the uh, straight from the source, as it were. And there are issues with that when you get news from the source, that when the subject is the source of the news, it, there's always conflicts of interest there. Uh, and then there's the unofficial ways, the ways in which uh, SEO Twitter loves. Is this new? That's the question, right? Somebody always finds a search feature, takes a screenshot, maybe a GIF. I pronounce it GIF, uh, not GIF. And they ask somebody. A search marketer, maybe Barry Schwartz, my former colleague, is this new? From there, I mean, if it's an interesting feature, if it's an interesting discovery, uh, a reporter like myself, like Barry, might reach out to Google and ask, hey, is this an experiment? Are you rolling out more widely? Where does the data come for this thing? How does it work? Sometimes we get an answer and uh, sometimes we get... Google is always looking for ways to improve search for users. We have nothing more to say at this time. But every now and then we do get something like, yeah, this is tied to that. And um, this is what it does and how it works. And when you get those nuggets, it's a shining moment because when you write it up, you know that somebody out there, some search marketer, some maybe an SMB, maybe a mom and pop shop is going to be able to use that to get more search visibility, which will hopefully go to, you know, their livelihood or maybe an SEO going to improve their career, doing something for a brand. That's great too. So there, in my mind, two things, the official news, which Google creates itself, 
which is problematic because oftentimes you hear from it from Google and Google definitely wants to convey information a certain way. And then there's the unofficial stuff of, hey, somebody found this, somebody verified it. That's much more legwork. And then if we don't ever get a confirmation on it, well, what happens then? Do, do we write something about it as a journalist or, or as an editor, or do we just kind of leave it as it is? Is there no documentation on it? Is it just going to go away? Those are the two ways people learn about, um, you know, what's really new on the SERP in SEO, not necessarily how to do SEO, but what's new in SEO. But but that's something I feel like when we're talking about the the unofficial stuff, like somebody like yourself or when you were a reporter, like going to Google and actually ask, like, how does that work? Because I'm quite interested um, because there'll be people who think that in terms of like the closest way to be able to contact Google would be to talk to, for example, a search advocate like John Mueller on Twitter. So it's like, what's the kind of process of of doing that in a more... Of of course, you're saying like it's unofficial news, but like reaching out to Google in a more sort of official way where you are able to kind of uncover news that might not have actually been officially stated or published through Google's own mediums. Okay, so I'm going to uh, address the uh, the search advocates thing after I address your question. You know, um, the way that journalists... Uh, contact Google is through like, you can just email press at Google, but if you're not from an, a media outlet, they screen that stuff. Like they'll send you an automated reply that says, if you're not from like a press outlet, or if you're like a general user, here's this email address to get in touch with, or like, you know, if you're just trying to spam them or something, then that's not going to work. But over time, Google does like eventually reach out to publications, provides them with embargoes, um, building that relationship has been largely up to the publication and up to the person writing the coverage. So for me, I did a lot of that myself um, just because I found like, I don't know, maybe in an, another life I would have been a PR person, but uh, I've enjoyed, you know, talking to them and learning more as much as I can. I believe that we can learn more working together, even if um, in some verticals, quite frankly, it does feel like Google stealing your business. Like, I don't know anybody out there who does SEO for music lyrics anymore, right? Like it's, yeah. So it depends on where you're seated at the table and how directly in Google's um, line you're traveling, right? Because you don't want to be roadkill in an industry like that. But I wanted to learn more about it. And so I, I met PR people at Google for various things. They all are in charge of various aspects of search or paid search. There might be somebody that works on just travel related products. There might be someone that works primarily on image search. And these people, they don't really like work on it. They are the PR people in between the project managers, the team that develops these things and the user, right? There's the user, the source, the, the journalist, the PR person, and then the source of the news, which is Google. So we reach out. Uh, sometimes they reach out to us to tell us, hey, we have an announcement. It's going to go out at this time. We can give it to you under embargo. And that just means that media outlets probably have that information uh, a day, maybe two days. If it's a really big announcement, maybe even a week beforehand so that they can ask questions ahead of coverage. And that when it comes out, when the embargo lifts, not only do you have the news that Google wants you to know, you have more context. People like myself are able to poke around about hey, how does this work? Or did you think about it in this scenario? 
or is this product really good enough to challenge the company? Uh, but yeah, the PR people do so much of the legwork and it's not like they know everything off the top of their head. They have binders full of information and oftentimes you send an email or you are on a call and they say, let me circle back with you. And they do, they really do. The PR people, um, I know like Google doesn't get a lot of credit for being a transparent company, but it's not because of the PR people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's really insightful to know. I, I'm really, um, yeah, I think that's really interesting about how that process worked. Uh, you said you were going to come back to the... Uh, right, right, thank yeah. you. So a lot of people instead, like not everybody knows a Google PR person that they can just hit up um, in like a, during a coffee break or something, right? So they do know the the search advocates, Google search advocates, John Muller, Martin Split, Daniel Weisberg. I'm definitely missing other people. Those are just names that came off the top of my head, but they're very well known. They do, they're very visible and they do a lot on Twitter to try to improve understanding of search. And I would describe that as their main priority. And every one of them seems to be in a different space. John Muller is just like general search, really knows how the internet works, how websites work. Um, they all do, but like Martin Split is over a lot of JavaScript stuff. Um, Googlebot, that, his, that kind of stuff has his fingerprints all over it. So when you ask them, it's like asking like maybe an engineer that's in charge of how like an entire car works to just be like, hey, how does this particular little thing inside the screen work? And you're like, I, I don't know. Right. Like I can ask someone for you. That's kind of what it is sometimes if you don't have the right question for these people, because they want to give you the information that they have. That's why they're search advocates. Right. Danny Sullivan, I'm sure, wants to give you the information he has if he can. But they're not in charge of all the communication. Right. Some things are just clarifications. And that's where the PR people come into play. Um there is a difference. I, I don't expect everyone to be able to appreciate that difference because aren't search advocates, if they're this visible, aren't they kind of also PR people, right? Uh, so it really depends on where you stand there. Yeah, it's people want answers all over the world. People want answers and they will turn anywhere. That's why I feel like search advocates are like borderline accosted on the internet, maybe even in person, you know, it's uh, it's a big job. Yeah, no, absolutely. But at least it's nice that uh, SEOs uh, are able to sort of get information from multiple types of sources. So you obviously, uh, earlier you were talking about the official and the unofficial sources. The, the question I've got more to the official sources and official Google announcements, how trustworthy are they on the whole? Because it's like, my take is that with everything, you have to be critical. Anything that's written down or said, you've got to question it, right? And I, I think that's just an approach that I have. Maybe you listening have a different approach, George. Maybe you've got a different approach. But for me, that's what I do. I'm very critical. So I like to question things. But what do you think in terms of your experience and of um, having such, you know, spent so much time, you know, analyzing the stuff and, and looking through it, you know, how trustworthy are Google's announcements? It's a very difficult question. And um, I'm under, I'm in the same way. I, I think that news announcements should be easy to understand. And if you're um, somebody who regularly reads the actual announcements, the first Google 
posts that come out instead of the coverage that comes out on search engine land, TechCrunch, The Verge, CNET, so on and so forth. Um, if you're reading the actual Google blog post, it doesn't always come off as very approachable, especially for um, the little people, the individual practitioner or the individual user, because why do you start off a product announcement or why do you leave the information so far down? Why do you have your first paragraph as some general statement about the, sa the state of the world and then some second paragraph about how search works and how it plays a role in that world only to way later tell people about the product? People know your Google. Why isn't it up there? Why are you burying the lead? So obviously that lead, that like lends itself to suspicion, right? When you have something easy to understand, you don't try to hide it underneath. You don't try to couch it in all these things. So there's that, which is not good for the optics and not good for, if you really want people to understand, right? Why would you put it down there? Why wouldn't you put it way up? There's that question. But when you think about, can you trust a company that, I mean, it's, it's making an announcement, but really it's making news, isn't it? Because while it is for any other company, if it was Sony making an announcement that they're making like, um, I don't know, like a, a, a new CD player, they're bringing it back. That's not news. It's just an announcement. However, if they say we're making the PlayStation six, now that is news. That's the level that Google is at where almost every announcement is news. So can you trust an organization that both creates the news and is at the center of the news? That's something that every person, every search marketer, every user, every person who cares about how the internet works needs to ask themselves because this is going to be a different answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. I find that the trustworthiness is, has to be assessed kind of on like a per announcement basis where I evaluate what are the interests here? Because Google's interests are always at the heart of everything. That's true of every company. It's not a knock on Google. It's simply reality. They don't release products. Well, they might release products a little, a few here and there to make people feel good or uh, to do something out of goodwill. But the vast majority of their products are to keep users on the SERP or engaged with another Google product so that they can make money. So there's that. I mean, I mean, I'm not stacking up a lot here in terms of like why you should trust Google. But I do believe that the people that work there try very hard to make good products that will help. Not everybody, as we see through like leaked court documents about like plans to collude and things like that. And the jury is still, well, it hasn't gone to trial yet, but there's that going on too, right? So you have to take all into account what the company is saying on its face and the evidence that's coming to light. How much does Google have to gain for this? Who is this for? Who is the audience? Because when Google says they're creating something for the user, that's when I believe them the most. When we as search marketers ask, hey, why does it do it this way? Or how come um, I can't get more visibility in my featured snippet for my brand? Or why are we, like for a while back there, there was um, like featured snippets with links, contextual links that defined things like uncommon terms, right? So when we're thinking about these things, like, yeah, like how, how trustworthy is, is all of this? Where is the interest here? And 
Is it for the general user? Because that kind of feature is really awesome. If you don't, if your vocabulary is not too great, or like me, when I lived abroad, I had to look up a lot of words and to be able to mouse over and see a word was amazing. However, if that citation is from one of your competitors, not so amazing. Can you trust Google in that case? No, but as a general user, you're good. You're happy, Mm -hmm. satisfied, right? So, th- so there's always going to be that kind of conflict, I suppose, of interest or not, maybe not always, but there might be instances where that is at play. And I think based off what you're saying, just take it on maybe a case by case basis. But generally speaking, the people who are writing the stuff, um, especially if it is meant to be for users or for SEOs, like they, they are trying their best, I suppose, to get the right information out. But I guess the question with that is, is what proportion of, let's say, SEOs actually read all of the announcements? So um, I, I feel like Glenn Gabe does. Glenn Gabe is definitely a thought leader in uh, in our space, especially on SEO Twitter. Um, give him a follow. I believe he's a, a consultant. Um, there are some people that are uh, definitely read everything, but the vast majority don't, and they shouldn't because the things that are most important to them are going to be covered elsewhere in a way that's, generally speaking, more digestible. How many times have you, Itamar, gone to a Google blog post to read that over coverage from a news organization about the same piece of news, right? Yeah, probably probably the news organization. Because I feel like as well, they'll like kind of concise it. Uh, yeah. So it's like it won't be the whole full, kind of like what you were saying. It's like, I don't... Like, I already know what Google is, right? It's like, I don't need to read through like a few paragraphs. All this this. junk, right? Mm. To get to where I'm going. But on top of that, um, people don't read it. Like, yeah, you might just kind of roll your eyes at Google um, when you read blog posts on a regular basis, especially because the language starts to run into itself. They use a lot of the same data points. Uh, The language gets stale. It seems sterile. Um, I'm sorry. I do apologize. I hope whoever's reading or whoever's listening right now, if you write this, like, I don't mean it offensively. I just, it's kind of how it comes off sometimes. And there's a reason for that because Google needs to protect itself. Um, because you never know when a blog post is going to end up as a piece of evidence in a courtroom. That's the world we live in here. So companies need to protect themselves. Absolutely. But Google is never going to tell you in like, let's, let's take, um, Let's take the new uh, targeting methodology for for PPC that replaced Flock, right? Um, people are not going to people are are not going to like just read the blog post because you understand there's new targeting technology, and this is of course paid search. But a news organization is 100% going to tell you what it replaced. Google might not do that. Or they might couch it in one sentence to just be like, this is superior to that because of X, Y, Z. Or just literally because of X. Nobody likes to make light of their failures, especially not an organization in which optics matter, right? Very few organizations be like, hey, we bungled this. Um, Sorry that we got you all worked up about this new thing and uh, that it was half-baked. That's not going to happen, right? That's why we have coverage from these other places. So no, I don't really think people read it, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. There are people who do, though, because they want to know. Understanding the nuance between the words is very valuable. So I I think that in terms of like, there's something that can benefit everyone 
when it comes to trying to find out about the latest news from search so they could go to places like search engine land they could uh, check out barry schwartz's content on se roundtable um so there's something for everyone there but the the kind of last point that i want to get to is something that you were um just saying in terms of like well we can call it maybe reception of news and announcements because for instance on seo twitter there's a lot of times where people might be happy with a certain uh, you know news or announcement or update but there are also times when they might not be and they do express frustration and i think the best example in recent times where i can think of that is when Google announced that in, I think, June or July of 2023, that they're going to uh, stop, uh, you know, everything to do with universal analytics. And they say to people, well, you have to, yeah, move to, to GA4. That's going to be uh, where we're going with this. Um, so it's like there was so much backlash uh, from SEO Twitter. So my question is, uh, and maybe obviously this is one particular example, but maybe if if we get uh, like this answer, but even more generically about feedback. And so, you know, what role does feedback actually play in updates and future announcements from Google? So objectively speaking, I definitely feel like um, we've seen action, but the, the action you have to contextualize like when someone's only asking you for like, all right, let's say I work for you, Itama, right? And my feedback is I should be paid more, right? And I only ask you for a dollar an hour more. For you, that's like, that might be nothing and you might just give it to me. If I ask you for $20, $30 an hour more, that might be a tougher ask, right? There are constraints that Google's working within. And some of those constraints are, they seem, when the change gets made, sometimes they seem arbitrary. Like um, the Google... Uh, partners program for the paid side, they wanted to double um, the spending threshold to become that premium partner level. I believe that was what it was. This was like 2021. Uh, there was so much feedback because why would you make this? Why would you double a spend threshold to be? It's, it's already not small, right? You're only edging out people. And a lot of people were like, you're making this incredibly difficult for us to be a part of this thing. Uh, Google came back and said, all right, we will back down for that. We're not going to change that spend threshold. We'll also make improvements here or there to, uh, you know, the way optimization score is handled. Um, you don't really need to understand these terms, but you need to understand that Google was easily in charge because it's their program. And they can run it how they want. And that feedback was super easy for them to do. They just said, okay, we'll, we'll back down because you are very angry, apparently. But there are other things like the main thing about what we're talking about right now, GA4, Google Analytics versus Universal Analytics. If you are holding out um, or hoping that feedback will save you and you love Universal Analytics, that is not going to happen. And I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here because I like Universal Analytics. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not up on Twitter all angry about it because I see what's happening here. Google needs to move forward. The internet needs to move forward. That's why we're not on third-party cookies. This antiquated technology cannot continue to be used in our infrastructure because it only creates larger problems later. Road signs in America are in miles and not kilometers like the rest of the world because it's just so expensive to change it. I, that's the way I understand it. And it makes sense, right? But some things are going to change. The way we feel about privacy 
is unlikely to change. People are unlikely to revert to, yeah, you can totally show me the same ad on every single website. That That is not going to be okay in the future. Things like keeping track of people's IP addresses, which I believe is uh, one of the issues at play with universal analytics here. That's not coming back. The people want their data, right? Uh, Google said, hey, export everything because you can't take it with you um, to GA4. There's no migrating that data and it's got, we're going to delete it. So save it. People are upset, rightfully so, because you invest in a product. You want to know it's got longevity, but unfortunately these changes are not a simple like reporting change. It's not a simple product update. It's not universal analytics, you know, just some minor upgrade. This is an entirely new thing. And that's what we need to work with in the future because of what users want and what Google needs to do to protect itself from regulation. You have to remember that just about every regulating body in the world in terms of technology and platforms and, and communication and commerce is breathing down Google's neck and it has to create products that will stand up in court. Products that are safer for user privacy, products that toe the line between Google edging out the competition, like in the online travel space and playing fair and not favoring its own products. That is literally the game. It's just a tightrope everywhere. And our needs as search marketers, while it's, it's big, especially on the paid side, because so much of Google's revenue is through ads, you're not going to get that change because some things are still so important. Like you, no matter how many search marketers want to change, if a regulator says, you're going to pay us billions and billions for this, and we're going to break apart your company, you choose survival. So you mm-hmm. have to know what it is that you're wanting because some things are just unreasonable to ask for. Maybe they weren't two years ago, literally two, three years ago, right? But now the landscape has changed. And that's why we're in this industry. That's why people say SEO changes every three years because it literally does. Mm-hmm. And, and you but can't figure like, that. But I guess also th- this is a, a unique scenario where it's like no amount of feedback will be able to reverse this decision. But I guess the types of feedback, maybe that can lead to improving the product like that can definitely have yes like positive effects in the long term right yeah there are no shortage of of issues with uh google analytics for at this point people are they feel unable to do their jobs so my advice to you is look at the data that you need the reports that you need to do your job what is most important to you try to find it on google analytics for it and when you can't submit that feedback and submit it regularly. Get other people on your team to do that because every time you do, Google knows we need to prioritize this. People are clamoring. If the reaction from Google PR people about when I provide feedback as a journalist on behalf of like maybe the needs of the industry or the feeling of um, the general community from my you know narrow given narrow point of view, I'm just one person, but they whip out their notebooks so fast they really care about getting these answers across and delivering the information. Um, I know that you've seen changes, right? From submitting feedback. Oh yeah, of course. Like even on the SERPs, you know, there's an option to send feedback on any search result page that you go to. And and people, you know, 
they, that is looked at. And I know John Muller, obviously a search advocate, he's said that multiple times in the past, replying to people on Twitter saying, you know, you can submit feedback because, you know, we take a look at it and we actually care about what users uh, have to say in terms of results to try and improve the experience, to try and improve generally how search actually is. Um, because, yeah, that, it's an important thing. And I, But I don't think many people make use of it that much in terms of like actually submitting feedback as opposed to just like maybe, you know, just talking about stuff on Twitter, but not actually going through the process of getting feedback submitted the way uh, Google wants you to. Yeah, I mean, you really have to pick your battles here because that has to be something you care about because how many Google searches, how many Google products do you use in a day? There's people who just use it blindly because maybe their tech, their familiarity with technology or their investment is very low. People like my mom doesn't really care about how these things work. She just cares that it works. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's people like you and I who are constantly examining every single change and what that might mean for brands it is exhausting to feel like we need to provide feedback for everything. So definitely pick your battles and recognize it's definitely worth doing when you're like, I don't understand why this works this way. I don't understand how Google benefits from it. If it worked this way, it would be better for search marketers and it wouldn't change things for Google or it would be even better for Google. Those are extremely, in my, in my opinion, as high odds as you're going to get that your feedback will be changed. Like your feedback, right? Google does not benefit from having bad results that provide a, a poor user experience. So when you can align those things, that's when feedback is going to be the greatest. Obviously, it's not always going to be, but telling them what is important to you, it has, I mean, it goes somewhere. Yeah, you don't know where it goes until it eventually changes, but that's how businesses are, right? Like when you provide feedback anywhere, even if it's your own business, you get feedback. In, in this podcast, you're not going to make a change to a recording you already did, right? Because you can't reschedule that guest, but you will keep it for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's such a nice uh, way of, of wrapping this up. I really feel like we dissected um, <laughs> you know, Google's announcements and, and covering loads of different areas there. Um, and I guess to, to sort of sum this up, it's like, you know, people at Google are trying their best. The reporters and journalists are trying their best. The PR people are trying their best. And as a community, we need to also try our best to, you know, be kind of like submitting useful, helpful feedback, being sort of productive in the sense of trying to make sure that everything works for everyone and that everyone's happy so that the end result is everyone has a much better experience with search. Um, and I think a lot of that ties down um, to the kind of feedback loop that can then, uh, as we've kind of discussed, can positively um, impact future changes and also other upcoming Google announcements. Um, but yeah, this has been super insightful. Uh, George, thank you so much. Where can uh, people find you and, and hear more about all of the great stuff that you're now uh, uh, starting to do at Wix? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is G-E-O-C-H-I-N-G-U. It's just the first three letters of each of my name. Or uh, you can catch me on LinkedIn. My name is George Wynn. Last name is N-G-U-Y-E-N. -E and uh, I hope to have my fingerprints all over the content. So my goal really at Wix is to support small, medium-sized businesses, all of our Wix users, and the general user. 
There's so much misinformation out there. There's even, I feel like tons of misinformation just within the SEO space. There, of course, there's bad actors, but then there's also people who are just, quite frankly, misguided that think that um, being up in arms, commenting on my articles when I used to write on search engine, not even in my articles, but on social media, just be like, this is a stupid update. Like this is not a useful comment, nor can I do anything with it, nor can I provide it to Google as evidence of distaste for it or anything like that. We can achieve much more by trying to work together. And even if that doesn't work well, what you were doing, was that working anyway? Don't you feel better about like, don't you feel like you have a cleaner conscience and that you're operating more professionally when you actually try to give feedback? Yeah. George. You're a legend. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on the SEO Unplugged podcast. And to all the listeners out there, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, rate it five stars on whichever five stars. five stars only, whichever medium you're consuming this on. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode.